You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we're very excited to have a special guest speaker with us. Now let's prepare our hearts as our special guest brings forth God's truth from His Word today. Take your Bibles, open up to uh, Psalms chapter 15. Psalms chapter 15. Uh, I've had a lot of people come up and ask me how Rachel is doing. Um, for those of you that don't know, I think everybody does, that uh, my wife is pregnant. And um, for some reason, just the way God designed her, she gets awful sick when she gets pregnant. So she has been down and out for about the past month. And uh, so you can pray for her. She actually uh, was able to make it to the Sunday morning service uh, this Sunday, which was super exciting. And then she went back down again. So uh, she was pretty sick yesterday, and then she was feeling a little bit better here tonight. But uh, whew, just pray that the Lord will heal her body, amen, and uh, get her back on track. And uh, you sure do appreciate your wife uh, when they can't do nothing. <laughs> and you're doing all the cooking and cleaning, and, uh, and I use that word cook loosely. I mean uh, opening up boxes and warming them up in the microwave. Uh, so <laughs> for the health of my kids... Pray that Rachel gets better, all right? Who knows? Who knows what's in the food I'm feeding them? Because I sure don't. So I uh, really appreciate my wife and uh, really looking forward to her getting back on her feet. Uh, Psalms chapter 15. Um, Monday, I was working on uh, the message for uh, tonight, and I really felt like I knew where the Lord was taking us. I've been in the book of Mark uh, just uh, studying through it. I think I might be taking the teens through that um, uh, over the next uh, few months. So I've, I've just been really in the book of Mark a lot. So I was just like, well, obviously I've already been in the book of Mark studying. That's just what I'm going to go with. And I was already on a passage that I was really studying through. And so obviously when pastor asked me to preach, I was like, oh, that's easy. And then Monday I was working on it and I had about 80% of it done. And uh, my computer puked on me and I lost the whole message. And uh, it wasn't that big of a deal because I already all had it in my mind. It was just getting it all back on paper again. That was the annoying part. So um, that was at like 1230 and I was already tired of studying. So I was just like, I'm just going to go run some errands and, you know, this or that happened. And um, then, yes, uh, Tuesday, um, I didn't get a chance to study Tuesday morning. M morning is my study time. I just study the best in the morning. My mind's the most clear and uh, when I study, I have to have a clear mind. Like, it's hard for me to study later in the day. I start getting foggy, and I don't know if any of you deal with that, but when I do brain work, it really is my mornings that I can really hammer a lot of stuff done. I can get, I can get more done in, like, an hour in the morning than like, of study than, like, three or four hours in the afternoon. I don't know why. It's just the way I am. So Tuesday, we actually moved uh, Lisa, and I um, um, am so grateful for the people that came out and helped us uh, mover and uh, so that took up quite a bit of our Tuesday and uh, so this morning um, I was back I was starting to to work my way back through uh, the passage and getting everything down and I just did not have a freedom in my spirit about the passage I was in and anybody that's ever uh, done a lesson or done a message will probably know what that feels like when you just just do not have a freedom and so about one o'clock in the afternoon, I just could not wrap my head around that. And God was directing me onto a different one. And so I feel, 
I got this message done about right before we came to church tonight. So I haven't hardly had a chance to go over it. So by the grace of God, we're going to make it through this. But I'm going to tell you, this message tonight is for me. All right? I was just, some things have been going on in my life and in my heart. And, and I, what I was working on before just was not resonating with me. And this passage that we're going to talk, tonight, uh, talk with you tonight this is more of where I'm at right now and something that I just needed in my own personal life. And uh, so I really just needed to do it for me. And I hope it speaks to you as much as it spoke to me. So let's go ahead and take our Bibles. Look here in Psalms chapter 15 and see what God has to say to us here tonight. The Bible says, Lord, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue and doth, nor doth evil to his neighbors, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbors, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned. But he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth with his own heart and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor take reward against the innocent. He that doth these things shall never be moved. Tonight, my, my lesson is titled, Total Access. Let's pray. Dear Lord, just thank you for who you are and what you are. And Lord, I just pray that you will clear my mind tonight. Um, just uh, give me the words to say and just let... Your scriptures just speak to us in a unique way. Just, just help, help us to understand better who you are and what you are and, and, and just the truths of scripture. And I just thank you for, for all that you've done for us that we're unworthy of. And I just I bring this night before you and I pray all these things in your holy, precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Tonight, I want us to get the point that we have access to the king. We have access to the king. Um, this is the way I always like to start my teen classes because I just like to get our minds start working. But here's a question I have for you. Have you ever met somebody famous? Have you ever met somebody famous? I've never met somebody famous. Um, it, this was like six months ago, but a friend of mine, he's a pastor friend over, um, uh, over in the California way, he posted that question on uh, his Facebook page and he just got tons of responses and uh, I could not believe how many people had met famous people. And uh, I guess maybe you get more of that out in the California way than you do over here. I guess not that many uh, celebrities or famous people are vacationing in Jackson. I can't imagine why. Um, but, you know, I was like, I've never met anybody famous. But um, isn't it funny how obsessed Americans are with, like, celebrities and famous people? Uh, it's, just, it's just hilarious how, how obsessed uh, this culture is with uh, celebrities. And uh, I remember seeing this video, and it was this guy, and uh, he was just a normal guy, just like any of us. And he goes, this is what he did. He went to New York City, and he dressed up real ridiculous. You know, like, you, you've seen some of those celebrities, how ridiculous they dress. Instead of just dressing normal, he dressed ridiculous, stuff like wearing sunglasses when it's nighttime. And uh, he, he hired two bodyguards and just went walking down 
in New York City, and within 20 minutes, he had a huge crowd of people around him. People were getting his autograph. People were taking pictures with him. And uh, they all thought he was a celebrity, and he was just a normal guy. He was just doing nothing. And uh, it's just, it just funny just showing how ridiculous and obsessed people are with celebrities and people of influence. But people, you know, people want access to people that have positions of power or positions of influence, right? I mean, how many of you? That'd be cool to meet somebody famous, right? Um, each of us probably have people that we would love to meet. It might be different for everybody. Like, for example, I'm just, it's just the way I am. I was just, I'm just not into sports that much. So to be honest with you, any sports celebrity that I would meet wouldn't even phase me because I just shake their hand and be like, hi, you know, good to meet you. Because I'm not into sports. Does that make sense? Like it wouldn't resonate with me. But I'm really into photography. And there are some photography people that I really look to and respect. And if I met them, it would be a big deal to me. And you could care less about who that person is. Um, so we all have different types of people that we would like to see and would like to meet. Um, but, you know, every culture, every, for the most part, every culture, if you were to meet somebody, um, uh, you know, uh, a person that was important specifically in the place of politics, um, you know, there's usually restricted access to that person, uh, especially the higher up you go. Um, whether it's kings or prime ministers or presidents or governors, um, usually there's restricted access to those types of people. And um, the higher up the chain you go, the more restricted the access gets. Um, you know, they usually live in houses that are gated, that uh, there's usually people guarding them. When they go out in public, there's usually a bodyguard, specifically with the president. He has um, uh, the Secret Service protecting him. And if you want to see the president or you want to see someone like that, there's usually a pretty rigor rigorous process you have to go, th go through. So I was looking up some of these things just about our president, just about the president of the United States. And um, so could you imagine that it's hard to be able to get in to see the president? I mean, can we just go to the White House and just kind of walk through the, the gate and just, you know, make our way into the into the White House and just kind of poke our head in the Oval Office and be like, hey, Trump, you here? <laughs> That's not the way it works, is it? You know, just sit down and have a cup of coffee or be like, hey, you want to go, you know, golfing? It's just, just not the way it works. It's just not the way uh, things are. You know, there's about 308 million people, uh, Americans, and uh, if every American wanted to have the opportunity to, to just get five minutes with the president, it would take... Uh, roughly over 1,300 years for him to be able to take five minutes with every single person. So obviously, there's restricted access to the President of the United States. More than 100 written requests to meet with the President come in every single day. In order to get a meeting, it has to be cleared through the President's inner circle. Um, you know, there's only select few people who get to actually book these type of meetings. Then you have to get to them. Oh, what an exhaustive process just to to get a meeting with the president. Once you have a meeting, you have to go through extensive security, background checks, and then you have to get there, you sit and wait your turn, and then when it's finally your turn to meet with the president, it's just a very few minutes before he's on to his next um, thing that he is doing. Uh, but people want to meet with the president 
or somebody like that for all types of reasons. You know, for some people, it would be for the experience, right? Pretty awesome. How many people can say they've met the president while they were the president? That's a pretty cool thing to say. Some people obviously have pet projects that they want the president to do. Um, some want favors. I'm sure that is a majority of the reason people want to meet with him is because they want favors. They want him to do something for them. Uh, some just want to get a picture with them. Uh, some because the president is the most power, one of the most powerful men in the entire world, if not the most powerful man in the entire world. So it's a pretty awesome thing to get access to the president. And I don't think any of us, maybe some of us will, but most likely none of us will get access to the president. But we do have access to someone much more powerful than the president. There's something much better than getting access to the president. We as Christians, we have access to someone much more powerful than President Trump. We have access to God himself. Self. Amen? Um, the great God of the universe, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he allows us to come to him at any time. You know, as I was thinking about this and just thinking about how God allows us to come to him at any time, I mean, this is God. This is the one who created this world, and he allows us to come to him at any time. You know, a question I thought of was, why? Why would God allow us to go to him at any time? It doesn't make sense. Especially when you consider who we are. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I'm messed up. Man, uh, I got some serious issues, serious problems. Why would the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords spend time with me? I want you to use your imagination. This is as I was thinking through this, and this is just, this is the vision that I got in my head as I was imagining this. So imagine that God is here on earth, and, um, you know, this is God, or imagine he's in heaven, whatever, but, but we get, you get the opportunity to go talk to him. Obviously, the greatest, uh, you know, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the greatest there is. So you get there, let's say it's in the kingdom of heaven. So you're in the kingdom of heaven and you get there and you're, you're to God's palace. And you're in the palace and you're, just, you're walking through the halls. Could you imagine? We can't even imagine what heaven's like. Could you imagine what the palace of God would be like? I mean, our, our, we, just, we wouldn't even be able to stop looking at all the amazing things on our left and our right. And we're making our way through the palace and we get to the throne room. And um, there's two giant golden doors. This is just what's going on in my head. This isn't the way it really is. This is just going on in my head. And as we look at these doors, um, just these huge golden doors, and it's, I just imagine like it's guarded by like these two soldiers, right, just sitting there guarding it. And you go up there and you, you let them know I'm here to see the king. And, um, I mean, you just can't, just not anybody gets to see the king. So, so as you're standing there, um, they ask you, like, what's your credentials? How do you get to, to see the king? And as you reach into your pocket, you pull out this card. And on this card, on one side, it says, paid in full. And on the other side, it says, total access with the seal of Jesus. And... He opens the doors, and you get to walk through to the presence of God. 
That's just what was going through my mind today. As I was meditating on this. And God says, I've been waiting for you. That's the right we have as Christians to go before God. We have access. The reason we can go to God anytime and the reason that we have that amount of access is because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Jesus Christ shed his blood and because of that, we as believers, we have free access to God's holy throne. Not only do we have free access to God's holy throne, not only does he invite us to come spend time with us. Guys, we're talking about God. I mean, I know we throw these words around, but when you meditate, like, what that means, I mean, this is God. And not only does he invite us in to spend time with him, but he encourages us to boldly come to him. We don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to cower in fear. He tells us to boldly come before him. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It's just unbelievable that the Lord wants to personally, that, that the King of kings and Lord of lords wants to be personally involved in the lives of each and every one of us. See, God isn't, you know, we talked about if all of Americans wanted to go see uh, the president, it's just impossible, right? It's, over 1,300 years to, to see everybody. But God doesn't live underneath the same realms of time that we do. God can spend that much time with each and every one of us. And he wants to. He's longing for that. In fact, he yearns for us to live in close communion with him. He longs for us to step into the throne room, to bask before him in his glory. So what's the problem? What's the problem? Can you imagine how it hurts God's heart after all that Jesus Christ did, making that way for us to go before the king, to be able to spend time before him, to be able to have access to the one who is all-powerful, all-everything. That, that's one of the reasons Jesus came and died on the cross. He did all of that, and we don't desire that same close fellowship with him. Could you imagine how that hurts the heart of God? When we neglect to acknowledge his presence in our day-to-day -day lives and when we live in such a way that the actions and the thoughts and the intents of our heart actually not only keeps us from going before him, but actually quenches his power and quenches his presence in our lives. In this passage, the the psalmist teaches us how to live daily in God's holy presence, how to live in close fellowship with him. Through this, this um, psalm, we get both instruction on how to do it, and we also get self-examination. And, uh, you know, every time we come to scriptures, so when I have my devotions in the morning, I actually have a list of questions that I ask, I try to ask every single time, I read through a passage, and a couple of those questions is, what is, it, what is God commanding me to do in this passage? 
And then also, what is God asking me to do? So God could be commanding me to do a certain thing, but now what is he asking me to do personally? What that is, is I'm trying to apply what I just read to my own life. God might, we could both read the passage, God would be asking me to do something different than he probably would be asking you to do. Does that make sense? So as we read through this passage, I want each of us to understand the instruction that is given and also the self-examination that we can go through as we see what God has to teach us here today. Um, uh, as we kind of work through this psalm, I hope that we're all honest with ourselves. You know, that's, that's something that's lacking so much in my life and I see so much in other people's lives is just, we're just not honest with ourselves. We're just not honest with the reality of who we really are and how messed up we really are. And, and we're, we're just so full of pride trying to think of ourselves better. But, but sometimes we just got to really get all those things out of our mind and say, God, show me who I am from your eyes. Like, what, what, who am I truly? Because it's, it's not until we truly understand where we're at that we can see where we need to grow in. Does that make sense? That's why we always are coming to the scriptures. We're looking at the scriptures. It's a mirror. It shows us our faults, which then shows us how we can fix those things. So that's what I'm asking us to do tonight. Let's come to the scriptures, using it as a mirror and, and self-examining. Um, all right, let's see here. Let's go ahead and read this passage one more time. And um, now that we kind of got the context of where we're headed here. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle, and who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly, and worketh righteousness, and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, and, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that... Um, he that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. What it's saying there, he that sweareth to his own hurt, what that's saying is that he's so honest that even when it hurts him, he's willing to stand by the truth and stand by what's right. Verse 5, he that putteth out his money to usury nor taketh reward against the innocent, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. Honestly, there are so much truth in these few five verses that it would, it's honestly a series of messages. And I am just going to deal with the first part, but it could, we could easily do a four-week series on these verses. There's just so much truth in here to unpack. But let's just unpack the first principle that is given. I, three big things are shown to us in this passage. And first, we see that we need to seek the Lord in verse 1. Secondly, we see that we need to walk blameless and righteously before the Lord in verses 2 through 4. And then lastly, we see that we need to believe the Lord's promises in verse 5, that if we do these things, that we will never be moved. But we're just going to talk about the first part of this passage just because we don't have time to work through the whole thing. So let's just unpack the first part and see what is being said here. So, so let's look here. Verse 1. This is, of course, it says right at the top. I don't know if it says it in your Bible, but it says it in mine. It says a psalm of David. All right? So we have the context of who is speaking here. It's David. And this is what David says. He says, Lord, who shall abide in thy, uh, excuse me, who shall abide in thy tabernacle. So the first thing we see here 
is how do we secure fellowship with God? How do we, how do we get this fellowship and closeness with God? As we see from this passage here, the first thing we see is that we have to seek it. We have to seek the Lord. Seek to enter his tabernacle or his sanctuary. Now the tabernacle or the sanctuary, what that was um, at this time of Jewish history, you know, it's always important whenever you read the scriptures, you need to read them in the context of what is being said and what is being done. Um, this was not written to Americans, all right? A lot of times misinterpretation comes from scripture because of uh, people improperly understanding the context of what is being said. Um, a perfect illustration of that is pastor's teaching last week on divorce and remarriage. And remember how he said it's important to understand the context of who the book of Matthew was written to compared to who the book of Mark was written to. I don't know if you remember that or not, but it's so important to understand context when we're coming to these. So let's think about the context of what's going on here as David is speaking and what's going through his mind at this time. He says, he says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? The tabernacle or the sanctuary was the center of Jewish worship at this time. And it represented to the people, to the Jewish people, the tabernacle represented the presence of God. That's what it was. That's where you went to meet with God, was the tabernacle. Only the priests were allowed uh, to come and go in the Lord's house, that privilege wasn't given to the average man, only to the priests. And there was a veil that separated the sacred spot from going in. There was a veil that separated it um, compared to the normal people that had to stay out um, in more of like the courtyard area. Only the high priest could pass through the veil into the place where God's presence dwelled, and that was only once a year into the Holy of Holies, into that place. Only the, only the high priest was able to actually pass through that into the presence of God. And it was so serious that they had to go through an extensive purification process to make sure that they were totally pure and clean because if they weren't, when they were to enter, they would be killed immediately if there was impurities and those things going on in their lives. So they went through an extensive uh, purification to go into the Holy of Holies. And guess what? Even though David was the king, to go in to that place was not his right. That he didn't get to go in there. He simply had to be where everybody else was and at best when the curtains would open and people would walk in and out, at best he could barely glance in and see what was going on in there. That's, this is the king. This is the guy over it. He didn't have that, but he longed to live beyond the veil. He longed. He was just like, I just want to go in and be in the presence of God. That's, that's what he's saying here. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Just longing, having that desire that, to just bask in the presence of God. And that's what we have. See, in, in, through the history of Scriptures and what the way God had it planned, they didn't get to do that back then, but after Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, he rent that veil, and we now have free access to God. You and I, through what Jesus Christ did on the cross, that free gift, he made a way for us to see God. We have 
what David here is only dreaming about. This is what he dreams about. O Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle and who shall dwell in thy holy hill? What he could only dream of is ours. That's what we have. We need to understand the significance. And yet, is that the way we view our prayer? Is that the way we view our, our time alone with God as we open up his word in the morning and spend time? Do we view it with that, with that much passion and that much significance? With that type of burning desire? So we see he says here, he, you must seek the Lord. How do we secure fellowship with God? We have to seek the Lord. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Next, we have to seek the Lord. Second, we need to seek to dwell in his presence. Verse 1, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? And who shall dwell in thy holy hill? We should seek to dwell in his presence. You see, David didn't want to just, he didn't want to just Go to, the, go to the tabernacle. He just didn't want to go there just like everybody else did. You know, those sojourners, that, those people that came there once a year, uh, if you know anything about it, once a year they would make that trip uh, to the temple or to the tabernacle to, to uh, make petition. You might remember um, uh, Samuel. Remember when Samuel was being brought and uh, Hannah was praying that God would give her a child and she gave her Samuel. Once a year, come. That's not what David wanted. He didn't want to come just one time before God, he wanted to dwell with God. He wanted to dwell. He wanted to dwell, abide in the glorious presence of God, just as the priests got to do, just as the priests did, and the ones who got to serve him on a daily basis. That's what David was longing for. He wanted to dwell with God. It carries with it the thought of not just a quick time, but spending time in his presence, staying there for a prolonged period of time, making an abode there. Dwell with God. David recognized that he had no right to go into the, to the presence of God, but but what was he desiring? Was he desiring to go into the temple? Was he desiring to go into the, the, excuse me, the tabernacle or to dwell in that place? Was he desiring that? That's not what he was getting at. What he was getting at is his desire was to be with God. To be with God in that. And, and to, be, to be just exposed to God's joy and mercy and, and protection and provision. And he just wanted to be around God. Is it any wonder that David is called a man after God's own heart? This is the way this man was. To be in the presence of God. Let me ask you this. This is what I had to ask myself. Was David's desire my desire? Is David's desire here in this passage, is that my desire? As, a, as I meditated on that question, I was deeply troubled in my own life at my lack of passion like David has. Actually, in my prayer journal, um, in my prayer list, I have, I have one of my prayers in there is, Lord, give me a desire to spend time with you. Lord, give me a love for you. Um, because 
I don't love God like I should, and I don't desire him like I should. Give me that desire that I need to have. Do I long to live in God's presence on a daily basis, to walk and before him in fellowship? Do I make sacrifices in my own life to make sure that that time with the king is protected, that I can spend time doing that? Am I passionate about holiness? I was not pleased with the answers that came as I evaluated my own life. Here's what some Bible characters say about being in God's presence. The psalmist compared to it as longing for, a, as a deer that is thirsty, longing for cool water. Psalms chapter 42, verse 1, as the heart panteth after the brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. Who, uh, when shall I come and appear before God? Paul shared that this was the most important thing in his life. This was the most important thing in his life, and he was willing to give up everything for this. Philippians chapter 4, or 3, verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I call, count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count myself but dung, that I might win Christ. Verse 10. That I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. Paul said everything is behind having that communion and fellowship with God. And guess what? Jesus prayed that we would have that. Jesus prayed that we would be a part and that we would have access to this very thing that he came down to die on the cross for. To purchase. He purchased this with his blood. This gift of us going before the presence of God. John chapter 17, verse 3. And this is the life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. First John chapter 1, verse 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. What are the benefits to, to coming before the King and and, and being in his presence and, and spending this time with him, what are the benefits besides just the, the, what God does in our own hearts and in our own lives? There, there's so much more that he does. I mean, all you have to do is read through the book of Psalms as it is just filled with the coming before God and the things that God does when you come before him. Um, but he brings shelter and protection and guidance and companionship and, and provision and, and the list goes on and on of, of the benefits that come from spending that time with God, spending that time in his presence. And just like the psalmist prays and, and is able to get all those things, as, he ha as the psalmist has access to all that, we have access to all those things as well. Who but God could love us so much? Who but God could, who but God could know who we actually are? And we put on our best face when we're at church or when we're out in public or this or that, right? That's when we put on our best face. But we know who we really are. And sometimes we don't even know who we really are because we even lie to ourselves. We trick ourselves into thinking we're better than we actually are. But God knows who we really are. He knows who you actually are. And despite of that, 
he still loves you more than anything you could imagine. Where else could we spend time that would be more profitable than in the presence of the king? What, what could possibly have more benefit than that? Checking your email? Checking Facebook? That's more profitable than basking in God's presence? Catching up on the news? Seeing what the most recent sports scores are? Hey, listen, I'm guilty of these things. And how convicted and shamed I was. Trading gold for dirt. Guys, I told you, this tonight, this is for me. This was for me tonight. Let's be honest. When we think about Christ dying on the cross for our sin, we have to admit that no one loves and cares for us as much as the Heavenly Father does. He alone is worthy of all that adoration. He alone is worthy of that longing. Are you using your access tonight? Are you using your access to the king? You have it. You've been sealed by Jesus Christ. If you've come to know Jesus Christ as your own personal savior, if you've accepted what he did on on the cross, realize there is no way to get to heaven except through Jesus Christ. We are sinners. We're wicked. Our penalty is death and hell. And Jesus came down and took that penalty for us on the cross. And because of that, we have access to the Father. Because of that, we know that we are secure in his life. Listen, we don't spend time with God to earn his love, okay? Standards and convictions, those don't, having a high standard doesn't earn more favor from God. That's not the way it works. You cannot be loved any more by God than you are loved right now. It's not possible. All right? So we don't do things to earn something from God, you know? Uh, you know, there's some people that look at uh, doing things for God in a mystical way, you know? Um, they look at it as, let's say they messed up and did something wrong, and then the tire popped on the car, and they contribute the tire popping to maybe something they did earlier that day. That's, that's not the way it works. Or when they have a really good day, they're like, oh, you know, I have favor from God today. That's, that's not the way it works. It's not like if you mess up, then all of a sudden a window breaks in your car because you did that. Because if that's true, then we could earn more favor from God. That's what they're saying is, I'm earning this from God. Because I did this, God is going to give me more favor. That's not the way it works, Okay. We do all of these things. We, we spend time in God's presence. We do all of this because of what he's already given us. I mean, there, he has given us everything there is to have. As we have heaven. We have forgiveness from our sin. Because of who Jesus is and because of what he has done, we do this. Not to get something more from him, but because he's already given us everything that can be given. Are you using the access that you have to God today? Don't neglect this great access that he has granted us. God is, God is ready and willing and, and ready for your fellowship, and he longs for it. We just need to seek the Lord. Make that effort to seek the Lord, and then just don't seek him for a couple minutes. Dwell with him. Spend time. 
bask in his goodness, spend time in meditation and prayer, just thinking about who God is and, and what he's done for us. And we'll be on our way. I think most of us, and, and like I said, this passage has a whole lot more to say than that, but uh, we'll just end right there. Maybe if I get the opportunity to speak again, we'll work our way through more of this passage. But today, tonight, let's just seek to seek the Lord and seek to dwell with the Lord. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.